It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law, featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call us at 312-726-1243. Why should religious liberty be advocated for, even by those without any faith at all? Today, we'll be speaking with Luke Goodrich, Vice President and Senior Legal Counsel at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, a public interest legal institute with a mission to protect religious freedom for all. His new book, Free to Believe, The Battle Over Religious Liberty in America, helps people of faith understand religious liberty and our rapidly changing culture, why it matters, how it is threatened, and how to respond with confidence and grace. Luke, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, right at the outset, um, you know, this is a topic that I think... uh, you know, elicits a lot of sort of different um, gut reactions. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, I found in your book, it, it was extremely helpful um, in chapter three that you wanted to kind of address, you know, well, what does it mean? And perhaps what should it mean uh, for, for us to understand uh, what religious liberty entails? And I'd like to talk about that with you for a moment. Yeah, I offer a very simple definition of religious freedom. Religious freedom is when the government leaves religion as untouched by government power as possible. And you know, when we think about religious freedom today, some people think about you know cases where the government is just targeting targeting religious people, you know, anti-Christian and and trying to shut down Christianity. Uh, other people think about you know, religious freedom as a you know a license to discriminate, where religious people are. And trying to wreak havoc on society. But in the vast majority of religious freedom cases these days, it's not the government hating religious people and trying to shut them down, and it's not religious people wreaking havoc on society. It's just that we have a government that has laws regulating so many different areas of human life, and we have a variety of religions in this country that place a variety of demands on people, and you inevitably have conflicts between religious people who are just trying to live out their faith and the government that's just trying to pass various forms of regulation. And so Mm. in many cases, the question is, can the government find a way to kind of bend its laws so that it leaves religion as untouched by government power as possible? Yeah, I I really like that definition you give in the book because it, I think, uh, accurately stresses that, that we're kind of needing to to navigate the middle of this spectrum instead of simply having a debate whether religious liberty is good or bad in sort of a vacuum where some people might say, you know what, religious liberty or or religious freedom feels like favoring religion. And so we should step away from that where other people might say, advocate, you know, well, I think religious liberty is a good thing. So if we can have more of that, you know, we, we should be constantly moving in the direction where we are having more and more of this. And then you have, you know, people essentially who are constantly moving away from one another instead of coming together and being able to navigate the nuances that you're you're mentioning here. 
Yeah, and that's, that's why I've written Free to Believe. There's so much misunderstanding out there about religious mm-hmm. freedom today. There are increasing religious freedom conflicts in the news and in the courtroom. And I've spoken with a lot of Christians. I've, I've been working in this field for over a decade. And a lot of Christians are, are just waking up to the issue and wanting to know more. And so I've taken my experience on the front lines and just broken it down in a really clear and straightforward manner of addressing why religious freedom matters, how is it threatened today, and what can we do to protect it? Yeah, and, and one of the, I think, themes in your book is this idea that, that to at a certain extent, um, the ability to, to appreciate the benefits of religious freedom is something that might not be well grasped until those things are threatened or potentially lost. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, at what point uh, do I begin to appreciate the benefits of clean water or clean air? When those things are threatened, you know, I start to see like, oh, these things are important. Certain actions must be taken, perhaps, to protect those things and to preserve them for future generations. Um, why do you believe there are so many legal assaults on religious liberty as of late? I think our culture has shifted in some very significant ways in the last five to ten years. And I identify about five main areas in, in my book. One is that uh, the traditional Christian belief in absolute truth is increasingly viewed as a form of discrimination. Uh, also, the traditional belief, uh, second area is the traditional belief that life begins at conception is, view, is viewed increasingly as controversial and as a threat to access to health care for women. Um, a third shift that's taken place is around the area of sexual autonomy, and it's no longer enough just to be you know, quote-unquote, free to be who we really are. We must also be accepted for who we are. And if someone doesn't accept me uh, for who I am or who I love, they're judging me and discriminating against me, and, and that's evil. Uh, a fourth big shift is that I think religion is less important in the daily lives of many Americans. So there are fewer people who believe in God and pray, and fewer people feel like they need religious freedom and are willing to stand up to protect it. Uh, and then lastly, we're increasingly religiously diverse. There are just more and more faith groups in this country, and that just presents a practical problem, making it harder to protect religious freedom for people of all faiths. So you combine all of these shifts together, and that's why we're seeing so many new religious freedom conflicts today. That's a great summary. I'd like to come back to that. Uh, you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock and Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MockBaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we've been speaking with Luke Goodrich, attorney with Beckett and author of Free to Believe, the battle over religious liberty in America, about different cultural shifts and and how those have impacted and affected um, our approach or thinking about the importance of religious freedom. Uh, so before the break, Luke, uh, you mentioned that, you know, that there is potentially a cultural shift here where, where certain religious views um, or attitudes are being associated with discrimination, or, or I've even, even encountered this idea that, that those positions or opinions are, are hateful. Um, and, and so, so how, how would you uh, advise that our listeners think about the, the relationship between um, you know, religious beliefs and, and this idea that those are discriminatory or, or motivated by hate? 
Yeah, so you hit, the, hit on one of the biggest religious freedom conflicts today, and that's the potential conflict between gay rights and religious liberty, and mm. the increasing tendency to label traditional Christian beliefs about marriage as hateful or discriminatory. Mm-hmm. And we see this conflict arising in, in a couple different areas. In one, you see private lawsuits. So that's where, for example, a same-sex couple might sue a wedding vendor, you know, photographer, florist, or baker for being unwilling to participate in their celebration of a same-sex marriage. Uh, you also see lawsuits against religious organizations like religious schools that are unable to hire teachers who are in a same-sex marriage. So those, those private lawsuits grab a lot of headlines, uh, but there's an even bigger area, uh, I think of it as the area of government penalties, and this is where the state or local government doesn't wait for a, a lawsuit filed by a same-sex couple. Instead, the government brands traditional religious beliefs about marriage as discriminatory and then uh, cuts off government benefits or uh, levies government penalties. So you might uh, deny a license to an adoption agency or deny accreditation to a religious school or deny contracts or grants or loans uh, or even as we saw with Beto O'Rourke, threatened denial of tax-exempt data. Mm-hmm. And so these conflicts between uh, same-sex marriage and gay rights and religious liberty are increasingly common, and I think a lot of religious groups are unprepared. And that's part of why I wrote Free to Believe, is, is to help ordinary Christians understand where these threats are coming from and then how we can respond prudently and uh, wisely in light of Scripture. Mm. Yeah, here here in Chicago, um, we actually had a situation you described with the government penalties. Um, you know, there's an organization called Catholic Charities, and, and they provided a lot of support services um, for orphans and for families in need. Um, but because of the Catholic Church's, um, you know, affirmation of traditional marriage, um, you know, all the state contracts were cut off. And, and that's really hobbled the ability of that organization to to continue in the ministry um, their ministry here in Chicago, and, and which is a real loss. Um, I don't know if people uh, are aware of that or if they felt that that is, um, you know, the impact of that, um, but it's certainly something that, that bothers me. Yeah, and we're actually handling a, a very similar case right now in the city of Philadelphia, uh, representing Catholic Social Services, because mm-hmm. for over 100 years, uh, Catholic Social Services has had a ministry where they recruit families to provide loving homes for foster kids. And the city of Philadelphia recently decided that Catholic Social Services was discriminatory because they Mm. will only place children with married uh, heterosexual couples. They won't place children with same-sex couples or divorced couples or single individuals. So they've cut off all partnership with Catholic Social Services and trying to shut them down. And, you know, as I explained in the book, that's a, that's a violation of religious freedom. There's a lot of strong legal arguments that religious groups can make in these cases. Uh, but it's also a harm to the rest of society, because Catholic Social Services is actually doing the best job of any other organization recruiting families to provide these loving homes. And there are homes sitting empty today. Yeah, that's a shame. Coming up, we will talk further with Luke Goodrich, attorney with Beckett and author of Free to Believe, The Battle Over Religious Liberty in America, about why religious freedom should be protected for all people. 
I'm Terry Liu, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. In the wide, confusing world of law and lawyers, it's tough to find someone you can trust that shares your Christian values for legal advice and representation. You can trust Mauk and Baker, a Christian law firm based in Chicago that serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal matters. They seek to represent clients like you with integrity and care by using biblical principles as the foundation of their work. Additionally, their monthly newsletter highlights what's current in the religious liberty arena, keeping you informed on your right to worship, whether that's on the street, in public school, or within the walls of your church. Subscribe to their newsletter at maukbaker.com slash newsletter. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com slash newsletter. If you have a legal need or question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact Mauk and Baker at 312-726-1243. Call and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. That's 312-726-1243. 43. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at Mock and Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to mockbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we've been speaking with Luke Goodrich, attorney with Beckett and author of Free to Believe, the battle over religious liberty in America, about uh, different cultural shifts and how that's informed uh, people's opinions and thoughts and approaches to the topic of religious liberty. Uh, so before the break, Luke, um, you were talking about um, how uh, you know potentially society loses uh, real tangible benefits um, when there are government penalties or, or when um, certain religious groups aren't aren't permitted to operate due to an attitude of feeling that their beliefs are discriminatory or, or based in hatred. Um, and, and would you like to speak a little more on that topic? Yeah, so I was talking about a case where the city of Philadelphia is shutting down a 100-year-old foster care ministry. And I think as Christians, we need to be prepared to make the case that this is a violation of religious freedom, but we also need to be prepared to make the case for how religious freedom benefits society. And so in the case of this foster care ministry, and this ministry is doing the best job of recruiting families to provide loving homes for needy kids. And this extends across a range of issues. You know, when the government penalizes religious schools, we need to be ready to show that our schools are doing the best job of educating the neediest children. And that our religious hospitals are doing the best job of providing care for the sickest patients. And so when the government Uh, violates the religious freedom of these organizations is not just violating a basic human right. Uh, It's also shooting itself in the foot and harming society because religious groups are doing some of the work that is most needed. Mm. Yeah. I'm sort of, I'm sort of reminded of, of this, this proclamation that was signed, you know, uh, during Daniel's time, you know, saying, you know, maybe Daniel was doing his job as an advisor perfectly well, um, but if he's unwilling to to live according to this this um, this law that he is to pray only to King Darius, you know, it, should he be penalized for that? And and I feel sort of like you know we're trying to figure out here what what are these laws of general applicability that that should be applied in all circumstances. I um, mean, we often encounter this, um, you know, in the idea that that when churches um, you know, have, have certain views on gay rights, that that is essentially akin to, to the race discrimination issues that we dealt with during the civil rights era. And what is your response to that idea? 
Yeah, that's a very common argument when it comes to potential conflicts between gay rights and religious liberty. Uh, but I detail in the book why that analogy to race discrimination fails, and there's several reasons. One is that our country has a uniquely tragic history of race discrimination. Uh, we had over 300 years of slavery based on race, fought a civil war over race, and had government-imposed segregation based on race. And the result of that is that African Americans were systematically denied full participation in the economic, social, and political life of our community. And so because of that, the government has been given uniquely powerful tools to dismantle racism, uh, tools that it hasn't been given for any other form of discrimination, whether sex, religion, age, marital status, or anything like that. And so you even see the Supreme Court recognizing the difference. In 1967, when the court struck down bans on interracial marriage, it said those bans were an invidious relic of white supremacy and that the beliefs underlying those bans should be eradicated. Uh, but in 2015, when the court recognized same-sex marriage, it went out of its way to do the opposite. It said... Uh, Traditional marriage laws are based on decent and honorable religious and philosophical premises that have long been held in good faith by reasonable and sincere people throughout the world, and that those beliefs are entitled to protection. So even the Supreme Court has recognized that race is very different, and that's why I don't think these conflicts will play out the same way that they have over race discrimination. How would you respond to to a general attitude that that this is these issues are part of a larger culture war and 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 people might be hesitant or or not not know whether or not they should be involved in addressing these sort of things within their communities within their churches within their neighborhoods how would you how would you respond to that sort of attitude yeah that that's a big reason why I wrote my book, Free to Believe, because I think Christians get religious freedom wrong in two main ways. Uh, one, some Christians are eager for a culture war, and they view religious freedom mainly as a political tool for protecting ourselves and protecting Christianity. Uh, then other Christians, I think, react against that and say, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with these culture wars. You know, the Church can even flourish under persecution, so you know, let's quit fighting over religious freedom. And the reason both of those uh, views are mistaken, and there are several reasons, but the main reason is they treat religious freedom first and foremost as a legal or political or constitutional issue, when in reality religious freedom goes much deeper than that. It's a biblical issue and a theological issue. And as I lay out in Free to Believe, it's a basic issue of biblical justice rooted in the nature of God and the nature of man. And as an issue of justice, it's something we should stand up for, uh, not as a culture war issue, uh, but for the sake of the common good. Yeah, I'm, I'm so encouraged by how your, uh, your perspective and your approach is rooted in returning to Scripture. I think it's a really, really powerful facet of your book. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock and Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty Newsletter with legal updates, or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we've been speaking with Luke Goodrich, 
attorney with Beckett and author of Free to Believe, The Battle Over Religious Liberty in America, about how to and whether people, individuals should engage uh, in, in discussing and approaching this issue of religious liberty here in America. Um, so Luke, uh, what is the best approach to confront others who don't value religious liberty? And so the third part of my book is devoted to taking action and how should we as Christians respond to the religious freedom conflicts today. And I think there's two main areas where we need to take action. One is, I think, is changing our mindset to religious freedom conflicts, because I think as Christians, when we hear about religious freedom conflicts, our mind immediately goes to, how do we win? How do we win in court and make sure we're protected? Uh, but much of Scripture was written to Christians who were losing religious freedom conflicts and suffering persecution. And so we as Christians, I think, first need to ask ourselves, not how do we win, but what type of people are we called to be in the midst of religious freedom conflicts? And so much mm -hmm. of Scripture was written to Christians facing these types of conflicts, and there are timeless principles from Scripture, like we're to expect suffering, to rejoice when it comes, uh, to for God rather than fearing men, to strive for peace with outsiders, uh, to continue doing good even when it's costly, and to love our enemies in the midst of these conflicts. So we need to first reclaim the message of Scripture to the persecuted Church that teaches us the type of people we're called to be in the midst of these conflicts. And then secondly, we need to take prudent action. And there are so many things we can do as Christians, whether you're a business owner, ministry leader, uh, clergy member, or just an average person on the street, there are concrete steps we can take to protect religious freedom. Uh, that includes clearly defining our religious mission, if you're a religious organization, and aligning your employment practices with that mission. Uh, if you're a business owner, you need to assess your risks and the types of lines of business and partnerships that might bring you unwelcome lawsuits. Uh, if you're a clergy member, there's so much you can teach on religious freedom. I have a whole chapter devoted to over a dozen stories of religious freedom conflicts in Scripture uh, that have been uh, woefully understudied. Uh, and then even, even if you're just an average person on the street, uh, cultivating a different mindset toward these conflicts, uh, cultivating joyful trust in the goodness of God, learning how to speak about these conflicts with our neighbors in a way that uh, attracts them to the gospel rather than repels them. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, I wrote this book because there's so much fear around the issue of religious freedom. But as Christians, we are not called to fear. Uh, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, and we undoubtedly will have trouble. But he also said, take, I have overcome the world. And we need to enter into these difficult situations, remembering that Jesus has overcome the world, and we can be people of joy and of peace, even in the midst of conflict. Yeah, yeah, amen to that. Uh, you know, it's sort of in the midst of the struggle, you know, if we are negatively impacting or harming our witness, you know, have we potentially sort of lost sight of the, the end goal here of, of, like you said, you know, attracting people to the gospel of, of communicating love and compassion and being Christ to people who, who are in need um, of an encounter with God and, and with his plans and, and purposes for them. Um, so, yeah, Luke, thank you for speaking with us today. 
how can people get a hold of your book and also learn more about your work at Beckett? Yeah, thanks for having me. You can find my book, Free to Believe, wherever books are sold, uh, also on my website at lukegoodrich.com. And you can follow my work and the work of the Beckett Fund at beckettlaw.org. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mock and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty Newsletter with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thank you for listening. I'm Terry Liu, attorney at Mock and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.